Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, I'm Kirsty. I'm Kelsey. And it's time to bind off season four of Outlander. It sure is. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that time we lied and said we were going to do a mid-season bind off? Well, sorry, but here we are. (laughs) But here we are. And you know what's probably going to happen? Because we've been storing up all of our yelling. What's going to happen? We're probably going to end up with like three times the bind off. (laughs) No, we just said we were going to be on time. (laughs) I'm just saying. There's a lot. It's like a pressure cooker of emotion. Of opinion is maybe more accurate. <laughs> sure. I think variation is secondary to opinion. That's so diplomatic of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, so yeah, we literally just finished watching the finale. Mm-hmm. Um and uh Wow. You know? Yeah? Yeah. What was your, like, overall feeling of this season as a unit of television? (laughs) I kind of feel like I didn't watch it. Um, I spent a lot of time with it between watching it, being in a dedicated fandom Slack channel, and reading the book all concurrently. Yep. And, and listening really, to two podcasts about it. <laughs> listening to two different recap podcasts. Yep. Um, and I really feel like I it was a little bit like um, a dissociative experience. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly, I only felt a handful of human emotions. And they were concentrated into like a couple specific episodes. As opposed yeah. to being, like, over the course of the whole season, the way Outlander usually goes. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. My TLDR of the season, which I mentioned to you, mm-hmm. is too many hop-ons. Yeah. In other words, the season was, like, season four of Arrested Development. Yeah. Which is the sick burn that it deserves. Yeah. Um... I was thoroughly disappointed. <laughs> yeah. But there's been, like, little nuggets. There have been. And I've lived for those little, little nuggets, but, like, I watched part of season one this weekend, and every time I go to season one, it's such a better place. Yeah, it's not the same at all. It's not even the same show. No, it's not. Like, it's, it's not just one thing. Like, the plot feels definitely like the fourth book in a series. Yes. <laughs> For sure. Yes. <laughs> but it's like the tone of the show is different. The aesthetics are different. Uh-huh. The quality in many ways is different. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So. Yeah. um, I was thinking... We're going to structure this different. I'm going to make this up on the fly. Ooh, okay. Okay, we're going to take turns. Okay. You have to give me a gloat and a gripe. Mmm. And you have to have one of each, or else you can't make the complaint. (laughs) (laughs) A gloat. I'll go first if you want. Okay, do that. Okay. Number one, gloat was something that we feel strongly about on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. 2018 and forever hot and tall. Yes. Um, Did a wonderful job. Oh, so good. He has excellent faces. His face acting is just top notch. It was the only thing that gave me any kind of feels. It was the strong sexual content in my heart. And it felt like it elevated him above 
everyone else. Yes, I agree. It was In like, a way I wasn't ready for, but I was also here for. It was definitely almost Menzies level. Yeah. I think it was better. Mm, in some ways. In some ways. Mm. I wouldn't say the full season's performance was better. Sure. Like, Menzies is a lot more consistent. Yeah. However, there were a couple of scenes throughout that I thought he really stepped it up. I'd love to know his journey as, like, an actor with this. Yeah. Um, Because I do, I feel like there's something happening this season that, like, made him apply himself more. Like, is it that he's getting other jobs and he wants some stuff for his... Could be. Like, real? Could be. Is it that he wants some awards? Could be. Like, some, I'm... (laughs) I'm willing to say that those little bits of face acting were as good as the incredible bits of face acting on the final season of The Americans. Oh. Wow. That's a big concession for you. I know. I know. But I'm saying it. Okay, so that's my gloat. Yeah. Okay. My Um, gripe is... Hold on. Oh, I thought we were taking turns. (laughs) No, we're doing gloat and gripe pairs. Oh, shit. Okay, okay. Okay. I'm giving you time. (laughs) Oh, well, fuck me. (laughs) (laughs) Um... I'll I'll go in with an easy gripe because I took an easy took a a gimme gloat. Um, River Run as a location sucked. Yeah, I didn't like anything about it. I didn't like any of the storylines that revolved around it. I didn't like the people in. Well, I didn't like. That's another gripe. I'll save that. Sure. <laughs> anyway, no no plot that happened at River Run gave me any kind of joy. Yeah, no joy was sparked there. No. Yeah. Okay. Your turn. It's like that in the books, too, for what it's worth. I'm ahead of Kelsey in the books. Yeah, I don't know if I'm ever going to catch up, so it might be your loss. (laughs) That may be my fault as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So my glow, I also said to you on Slack, but I think one of the few times I felt real human emotion this season Mm-hmm. was in this episode when Ian, um, oh, I don't think we said this at the top, but, like, spoilers, duh. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Um, is when Ian uh, trades himself to the Mohawk. Mm-hmm. Because Jamie says, like, I'll do it. And then he's like, Ian, go translate. And you see Ian do the look. Yep. And it's like, Oh, fuck me. Because we've seen this one before, right? Where, like, Mm -hmm. a youngin, a young lad in Jamie's charge is so inspired by Jamie's selfish, selflessness that he steps in instead. Yep. And so then Ian does the march. And then Claire and Jamie are saying tearful goodbyes. And you can see just Ian's shoulders and his hand gestures. Mm -hmm. And at one point, he gestures to his own shoulders. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that background acting. <laughs> Hot diggity. Um, and then Sam Hewen and John Bell both face acted each other. Yeah. In a way that I said I it made me cry. I was being perhaps melodramatic. Mm-hmm. It was like a single tear kind of situation. Like as much as I ever cry at yeah. content. The Battle yeah. of Culloden notwithstanding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that's that what triggering show... Kirsty. <laughs> that's what this show used to be able to do. I just um, want to set a baseline. I'm this so glad I'm not finale. on 993 right now. <laughs> this season finale of season two is what this show could do. <laughs> Sorry, I just broke myself. <laughs> Thinking that my whole persona is <laughs> defined by crying about television on I-93. It's my favorite. 
It's my favorite bit that we do. I love it so much. It's more real than a bit, though. I just need you to know. Oh, no, I know. Trust me, I know. Oh, okay. But yes. Um, but yeah, that's what the We used to have do. real feelings. I used to have not even just, like, real feelings, but, like, but, like, it, like, gave me the, it gave me feelings. I don't know. It made my feelings come out of my body. Yeah. Into this world. Yeah. And be part of me and my experience on Earth. Yes. And I had a fleeting glimmer of that mm-hmm. in that scene with those two men face acting at each other. And they just, so much is at stake and they love each other so much. And it's the culmination of so many different journeys all at the mm-hmm. same time. Yes. Ugh. My feels, my feels. And, well, I guess it's all one and the same because it's about Ian. Then he goes through the gauntlet and he's one of the Mohawks. And, oh, my God, the joy. Mm -hmm. Joy was sparked for Ian. It sure was. Uh, Like, have you ever seen Ian look happy like that? No. Like, his whole deal is that he's looking for where he belongs, and he found it. He found it. Like, Roger wasn't (laughs) worth it, but, like, I'm glad that something came of that subplot. It's like Ian found the perfectly sized box. (laughs) And it was in the Mohawks camp. And now... His belonging fits perfectly in this box that is tucked away inside a bigger box. Okay. Oh, God. It was so funny. I choked on my own esophagus. Please don't choke. So you've earned yourself a grape. Um, okay. Oh, lordy. Um, how do I say that Roger's whole fucking deal? <laughs> that's, for that's it. Forever. Yep. Can we? F- yes. I, like, I feel like I should do something with that because it feels like I gotta like it feels like it's my moral duty to like either be specific or like say something meaningful, but like Roger's Ugh. whole just fucking deal. I hated it. He became someone who was like fine to someone who was so unlikable. Yes, and a bunch of people kept saying in the books he was way more likable, and in the books he is. The worst. You know who yeah. he is? Who? He's a fucking Ted Mosby. Ew. Uh-huh. uh-huh. He's wearing those fucking cut-off pants and oh, he's, like, yeah. pulling them off. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Ugh. Ew. Yeah. Why did you do that to me? Because it's true. You know I hate a Ted Mosby. Yeah. Ugh. I hated him first for I know. what it's worth. I know. I'm like an early adopter of Ted Mosby <laughs> hate. Oh. I hated him when the internet still thought he was a nice boy. He was never a nice boy. He was never a nice boy. And neither was Roger. No, you're right. This he is was a book spoiler, oh. but Roger has a fucking scene in the book. Where he sees Brianna wearing breeches and he loses his goddamn mind in his internal monologue because he's like, for the last four months, I have only seen women wearing voluminous skirts. And now Brianna has an ass and it's in public. My modesty. No. no. And it's like, like this bro, is not cute. You're from 1960. You've seen women wear pants before. It's been 19. 19- 60 like you don't get to pull the like it's all relative argument Mm -mm. you've only been in the past for like six months Mm -hmm. you remember what butts look like (laughs) 
sure do. Oh my god, get over yourself. Ugh. Ugh. I, I hate that's, him. That's my grape. Fuck okay. Roger. Alright, what's my next gloat? Um, my g- gloat, I guess, is gonna be Fergus and Marsley. Ah, damn it. You Forever. <laughs> they are so much more important to me for pretty much every reason than Brianna and Roger ever will be. For sure. And, like, mainly be- Can I go on my soapbox for one second? Yeah, 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 hit me. Okay. I have a lot of feelings <laughs> since we are at the Battle of Culloden. <laughs> Some of which you may already know if you've listened to this podcast before. The short of it is, fuck going and skipping 20 years. That's bullshit and I hate it and I'm <laughs> resentful. And it's ruined my life. But part of what I hate about it is this whole thing that's come out of it, which is Brianna being a person. (laughs) Because I hate her. And then she brought in Roger, so it's a whole thing. Yeah. But what they wanted to accomplish, there's a lot of things they wanted to accomplish, but one of them was, like, this whole parenthood story, right? Yeah. And they never, like, fully delivered. They kind of delivered. They didn't fully deliver on the fact that, like, Fergus was their child before they even realized it was their child. Right. And there's a lot there that I always wanted them to explore. And the closest we ever got was the wedding where he got to be a Fraser, which, like, he should have had that a long time ago. Yeah. And they don't ever, like, fully address that while, like, Jamie mopes about never raising his own kids that he has a child that he raised... And he just, like, kind of is like, yeah, you're, like, kind of my servant, kind of my son. I don't know. Yeah. It's a little weird, but there's just a lot there. So if they really wanted to play this, like, your adult children are hanging out with you in colonial times business, like, why are Fergus and Marsley not your people? Right. Well, and, like, the whole thing is going, it's got to be eventually this, like, passing of the torch situation, right? Yeah. And in every scene that they have been in, they have proven that they are, like, up to the challenge of having the torch passed. Yeah. And they're interesting. They have, like, their own personalities. Yeah. They have a lot of, like, baggage, kind of. But they're... I understand them. They have relationship baggage, but they're not, like, stupid. They're not stupid. They're not (laughs) stupid. Um, the thing of it is, is that they have, like, the same relationship structure as Jamie and Claire. Yeah. And Marsley is, like, this is gonna sound like something a bad feminist would say, but Marsley's an equivalent woman to Claire in Mm -hmm. the way that she, like, carries herself and handles, Mm -hmm. handles Fergus yeah. Um, and, like, matches Fergus. And I feel I like agree. if the whole point of the series is exploring that part of the relationship, then, like, why are we passing the torch to Brianna and Roger, who are the fucking worst and cannot get their shit together? When we have right. Marsley and Fergus, who are so ready to do a good thing in a completely different way than Claire and Jamie. Plus, like, the storyline of between Marsley and Fergus and Brianna and Roger is the same. Right? Like, yeah. they now both have children. Mm-hmm. They both have, like, their own little mission that they're going on. Yep. Like, why the fuck do we need two? Why can't we just have the better one? We should just get the better one. As I said and, to you in Slack, like... yeah. Fergus, Marsley, Claire, Jamie, and Ian are the New World Dream Team. Mm-hmm. Like, we could just stick to that and the hijinks of Fraser's Ridge. Fre- Fraser's Ooh. Ridge. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, that leads me to my gripe. Yeah. Uh, also related, which I've declared as the Brianna Bechtel test. <laughs> it's my favorite. <laughs> It's so much bullshit. So this whole season, 
has been rotating around Brianna, and mm-hmm. she already has, like, a lot of only child syndrome going on. Mm-hmm. She's already very self-centered and really irritating and demanding in ways that I sometimes don't appreciate. Yeah. And she has demanded attention throughout this entire season. <laughs> and the Brianna Bechtel test, as you can imagine is when there's whole scenes that pass and they only discuss things related to Brianna or because of Brianna. Yep. And nothing else. Yep. And it's basically like a giant strong sexual content cock block also. Yes. All the time. All the time. All the time. I'm just like, Claire and Jamie, why won't you bang? And they're like, oh, but our daughter yep. did this dumb thing. Yeah. She made us go camping for four months for this loser. That's a separate grape. Ugh. Yeah, it's it's exhausting. And, like, I get it. She's stranded 200 years in the past with, like, her rapist maybe baby. And her, like, like, fake husband is maybe dead in the wilderness. And now her mom and dad maybe are, too. Yeah. But, like, ugh. Yeah. And it's just, like... I don't need every scene to be about her, even if that's one of the plots. Right. Well, it reminds me of, like, people on the internet where you know they have a lot of shit going on in their lives and you feel bad for them, but then they, like, complain about it incessantly and it's like, Mm -hmm. and then they complain about stuff that they don't necessarily need to complain about and it's like, you know, you don't have to make your situation worse. Right. We know your shit is bad. Right. Like, everyone around you knows your shit is bad, Brianna. They're trying. They're trying. <laughs> like, you just show up here unannounced. <laughs> and then you just want a bitch to poor Phaedra, who's trying so hard to be a very good midwife, and you're like, well, my picture's not good enough, so what's the <laughs> point? Why do you even I wanted to be an artist. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even draw this estate. Why am I raising a kid? <laughs> we don't know, Brianna. We don't know. <laughs> God. There's a passage in the books mm-hmm. after she arrives at River Run where she's like wallowing about, and one of the slaves is like, at a, like boiling water for a bath or something. And she's like laying in her feather bed, thinking about how feathery it is. And she Mm. says something to the effect of, like, you know, she should feel bad for being waited on by slaves, but she doesn't. (laughs) That's like TLDR, Brianna. (laughs) I know. God. I took a screenshot to send to you that I never sent it, but it's the funniest shit. It's basically just like, (laughs) shrug emoji. (laughs) I'm pregnant and sad. (laughs) I'm not a good enough artist. <laughs> that scene was unreal. Wow. All right. It is your turn to gloat and gray. Okay. Um. Well, this is a bit of a throwaway gloat, but I'm going to throw one out there for Phaedra because mm-hmm. she was a bright spot for me. Yeah. In a season of hop-ons and unnecessary side plots. Um, yeah, I I did like going to River Run because I do think she's like very cute, and I like the way she operates within mm-hmm. River Run. Yeah, Ulysses too, actually. Yeah, they were both good. Yeah, like there's stuff there that I feel like could have been redeemable. It just wasn't. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. In which what's your what's your gripe? In which my gloat is so gripe. Um. <laughs> <laughs> What is my Fair. gripe? What is my gripe? Um, you have a lot of gripes. <laughs> I Well, I know. That's the problem is I have to find one that's, like, worthy mm-hmm. of summing up my feelings about the whole season. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Here's a gripe. Okay. Um, and it, I don't know if it's cheating or not because I don't know the future, uh, ironically enough. Mm-hmm. Um. So, Lord John Gray is with us this season. Yeah, and that's, he is. And that's fine. I'm into that. Yeah. I've come around on him a lot. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he... <laughs> Sorry, I'm thinking of that one scene. I know you are. Um, so, we he's, like, the Fraser's, like, most important friend and, like, co-conspirator. Most important hop-on, if you will. Most important hop-on. And, yeah. um, is he never gonna get to learn about time travel? No. It makes me so mad. I know. Like, it's like he's earned it. He's earned it. He kind of has. I I felt like after Brianna threatened to blackmail him for being gay, or not threatened, straight up blackmailed him, mm-hmm. I, like, kept waiting in that conversation for her to be like, okay, here's the deal, though. Yeah. I'm a time traveler. And then she didn't do it. And I just feel like he's earned it. But she doesn't know all his baggage. (sighs) I know, I know. But, like, Jamie should have told him, too. Or Claire could have told him while he was, like, unconscious. That's true. Claire should have told him. She had a lot of opportunities. I know. I just... I hope it's coming. I feel like I learned a thing recently that maybe... I don't know, mm-hmm. makes it seem hopeful, mm-hmm. but I don't get the, I don't know. It doesn't seem like he's ever going to learn. I just want mm. him to know about time travel. I don't care what he does with it, because I don't think he'd do much with it. Murtaugh hasn't done anything with it. Yeah. But if Murtaugh gets to know, then Lord John Grey gets to know. I think that's fair. Your turn. <sighs> All right. So mine is two parts, but not really. Okay. My gloat, as a whole, is the Willie episode. Mm, such a good episode. It's the best episode of the season? Yeah. I'm gonna say. Um, as much as I loved Sam's faces in the one where Brianna comes back and mm-hmm. some of the ones following that, he really, like, started on this path with that episode. And in some ways it was... It was different. I have some feelings about the Willie storyline. Yep. I think that have carried over, but I think they handled it well. Yes. Like, from a plot perspective, it was a lot of good choices in general. Like, there were some things that were weird, as there always are. But, like, yeah. all things considered in the land of season four. <laughs> yes. It was pretty good. And I'm pretty sure this is the one that ended in sexy bath time, right? It is. That's so correct. It, that was, like, the the key of the glow was that. Yes. The only meaningful, was... strong sexual content that we got. The that only meetings full, strong sexual content. That And it was, was. like... Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, but, like, they, uh, that was one where the buildup was actually gonna be worth it. Mm. And then they just, like, cut as soon as they get into bed. But sometimes I just want the buildup. Like I wasn't yeah, mad. I, okay, I was disappointed. I would have been but okay with that if the yeah. other two scenes that Fair. we got this Fair. season were not Fair. just lame, sad tent sex, where Fair. Claire just sort of jumps on top and we call it a night. Fair. That's a gripe. <laughs> yeah, that's my gripe. I'm filing it early. Wow. God damn it. Claire doing all the work there. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Stars, you just ran a full promo about how all of your content is feminist, and you're going to tell us <laughs> that that's how this relationship works. <laughs> I disagree. It makes me really happy that you've come around, because when we did our bind-off of the pilot, you were like, I don't know, I think that was a good sex scene, and I'm like, no. And I'm, It was fine. No, it was not. And now I feel like I won. It was fine with the promise of more. I didn't know that was, like, the peak of what I was going to get. That was all we got, and we got it twice. Because the next time they have sex, it's the same sad tent sex. Except it's in, like, the tent from Harry Potter. True. But that's beside the point. Yeah, I mean... Sexy bath time was the only sexy time that I really cared about yeah, this whole season. Yeah, it was so hot. It was really hot. And it was, like... I already talked about this. <laughs> okay. I'm going to cut myself off. This, um... Just made me forget both of mine, and they were both really good. Oh. 
<laughs> well, I, I've got time. I'll, I'll kill time with my gripe. Um, my gripe is a gripe for this season and last season and a little bit of season two, which I've discovered is maybe a personal problem. <laughs> but I really don't like it when the plot turns to Jamie and Claire being like voyeurs into other people's cultures. Yeah. And it happened in France. It happened for sure in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it happened at River Run and it happened with the various Indian tribes a couple times. Yep. And every time it's felt a little gross in different ways. And <clears throat> it's also just like not the same show that I liked. Like part of what I liked was the homeliness of like being in Scotland. Right. And I know like there's only so much that can happen in Scotland, I guess. Which fair, I understand. <laughs> However, that's like my happy place and so I'm never really happy when they're not there. I mean, I think there's a way to do it without like so much of the voyeurism. Yeah. They just like leaned the hell in. Yeah. And it's not all wrong. Like, Claire should be outraged by the slavery. But at the same time, it's like, let us save all the slaves. It's like, no. No, no. (laughs) You can't. You can't. No. No. So that's my gripe. Cool. Did you remember? Um, I remembered my gripe. I forgot my gloat. And my gloat was better than my gripe, which is unfortunate. Go in reverse order. Okay. Um, so... It's actually related. Um, mm-hmm. It's I'm going to say a specific thing, but what I'm really speaking to is a broader issue mm-hmm. with the season, which in a word I would describe as the mustachiness. Yeah. So what <laughs> I learned recently by reading is that um, Claire has issues in the book with the slavery at River Run. Mm-hmm. But she's pretty mellow about it. Like, okay. she's not just running up to slaves being like, hi, my name is Claire. What's up? Refer to me by my first name because we're mm-hmm. equals. Mm-hmm. Um, and she doesn't spend so much time standing on porches moping openly. Um, she spends a lot of time, they spend a lot of time just, like, wandering the estate for various different reasons, and she spends a lot of the internal monologue being like, you know, I read about it in history books, it's even worse. Mm. Oops, but, you know, it's the time. Yikes, this is a weird situation for me. But it's not this, like, really, like, melodramatic, like, white savior thing where she's like the only person who can stop the entire system of slavery yeah she has like more perspective on like her place in history in that time yeah um and like it that was more comfortable to read than this was to watch just because Claire is such a bad time traveler Mm. and it was so over the top it's like it it there's a scene in the book where Claire says the line like I can't own slaves but she says it like 900 times in the show and it's like you know Jamie already agreed with you they y'all just are trying to figure out a political situation it's gonna be okay Right. You know? So in which, like, mustache is overcompensating? Exactly. It was all about, like, mustache wanting to make sure we knew that Claire wasn't cool with slavery because she's a modern woman in the most literal mm. sense. Um, And he talks about that in the official podcast of, like, Claire is from the 60s and she worked with a black doctor. And now it, she's looking at slavery and she's, like, remembering Joe Abernathy. It's like, oh, yeah, mustache? Is that what's happening? Mustache thinking we're all stupid is, like, my oh least my favorite God. thing about this show. Especially because in the um, in one of the season one official podcasts, one of yep. the most yep. important things Ron Moore says is, yep. like, the audience is not stupid. Yep. And I will not treat them as such. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> Our collective size is enough. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess... For a, a gloat... Um... I liked... <laughs> I can only think of individual things, nothing that speaks for the whole season, which is you just could like th- really You can speak to individual I, things. I, um, I like Fraser's Ridge, and I like that they have this, like, happy little homestead life where they're, mm. they, I love even reading the passages in the book, but, like, watching the scenes even, even yeah. when Brianna gets there, where they just sort of, like, wander about and feed the animals mm-hmm. and like jamie and brianna go hunting for honey and it's very quaint it's so quaint i just it's like these little pockets in the narrative where like they all get a little bit of peace together it feels a little bit like the Lallybrock episodes yeah exactly you know, like, but it's not the same. The peace, no, the peace and happiness never lasts on the show, and that's like yeah. how narrative conflict works and whatever. Yeah. So it's nice to be able to have ways that they inject it into mm-hmm. the narrative, so that you know that at some point in these characters' lives and relationships, they do just get to like enjoy each other. Yeah. And it can be implied, so we don't have to be like clubbed over the head with it. We can just like. See them hanging out with Clarence the donkey. It's very nice. But you know what? I would like them to not imply and be very confident in showing us what? the strong sexual content <laughs> that comes with that. Oh my god. Who would have ever seen that one coming? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, I have one brand. Actually, they talk a lot in the book about how, um, because Ian stays in the cabin with them, they yeah. can't have sex, and so they yeah. spend a lot of time, like, sneaking around in the herbs- herb shed. <laughs> See, that would have been fun! And, like, Why didn't we get that? Sneaking around in the creek and stuff. And, like, they don't Ugh. have many sex scenes, but they, they, like, joke a few different times about how they're, like, sneaking around. Yeah. It's hilarious. That would have been fun. It would have been fun. But no. But no. Mustache doesn't want us to have nice things. No. I would actually really like to know what the producer's logic is for not not doing more i agree i feel like they're in a power battle with fans i don't even know if that's what it is i because mustache is having a lot of feelings about fandom right now so So i feel like there's something happening where they're like the fans expect this from us and because he says all the time on the show that it's their job to like um like circumvent the fans expectations that's not the right word but you know what i mean no yeah yeah um because if he said it like two episodes ago like if we just did what the fans expected then we it would be super boring to watch all the time like would it though right that's why i feel like there's like a power battle going on here yeah but i'd love to hear it directly i would too um, all right, so do you want a power hour a few of these? Okay. Okay, I'm gonna give you all the rest of my gloats. Okay. Is that too much? No, do it. Okay. Murta, yeah. as a human being who is alive and well in North Carolina, he's excellent. I have no complaints about him at all. <laughs> except for his choice in women. Yeah. Um, the Felicity dress straight yes. out of the American Girl catalog. Yes. <laughs> that Brianna just wore because you know what the fuck sparks joy that yes (laughs) she's got the red hair she's got the dress I know what they were doing it was not subtle (laughs) and I'm here for it Lander and American Girl story is canon it sure is wait can you drop that in the slack for me (laughs) (laughs) I just want to be first um, all right, my other gloats, the homesteading Yule Log that you kind of suggested, but I'm gonna... Not our Slack. Oh. The Podlander Slack. <laughs> I thought it was a weird request. No. Okay. <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> the 
one that I'm not a member of, but I live vicariously through you for. Anyway. Here it comes. Homesteading Yule Log, because it was hot, and that was the only strong sexual content we really got. Okay, that's a good one. And my last glow, I think, is that I'm nominating Sam and Katrina to be in the ne- in the Parent Trap remake. Ooh. <laughs> because when they see Brianna, they both did a really good job, and I think it would be excellent. <laughs> so those are my gloats. I just put it in there with zero context. No one has ever heard this before. <laughs> I'm so excited because no one knows what to do with me already. <laughs> good. It's good. It's good. 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 I'm really glad. Um. Yeah. That is. I would love to see that. The Parent Trap. Yeah, I think that would be very good. Like, I know that my <laughs> my one true long lost father is Dennis Quaid, <laughs> but also I would be open to Sam Hewitt. Sure. <laughs> I think he could pull it off. Yeah. And so on first watch, I didn't cry for either of them, but I had some emotions about Sam's faces. Yes. But on second watch of that episode, the part where I cried was when she saw them, like, hanging out, which I was a little, like, I felt betrayed by myself. Yep. But also it felt perfect for the many scenes of The Parent Trap (laughs) where they were like... Wait, both of you are here at the same time? You know each other? Uh. <laughs> so now it's my dream and my destiny. Um. Hold on. <laughs> okay. Um. Yes. It is your dream, and it is your destiny. I agree. Like, why didn't Brianna have a twin? That could have been fun. That would have been aggressive. <laughs> Jamie, you can keep one in the 1700s, and I'm going to take one to oh the god. 60s. Oh, oh my god. Although, isn't that low-key, like, what was going on with Ian, though? With the what? With Ian. Yes. Ian was, like, kind of the proxy for that. Yes. Yes. He just didn't know that she was a time traveler. Right. It would have been more fun if he knew. Right. Um, do you want any last gripes from me or do you want to throw out some gloats? Hit me with a gripe. Okay, my last two gripes. <clears throat> Jocasta as a person, I just don't get it. Not into it. <laughs> Second gripe, the horny wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I hope all of you out there now see that this is why you don't get married just because you're super horny. (laughs) It's not okay. This is the problem with, like, the ideology of no sex before marriage, because then you just get married, have the sex, and have regrets. Mm Mm-hmm. Skip Mm -hmm. the legally binding part. Right. That's all I'm saying. It's, like, the life choices that were made. That's not an official endorsement of a lifestyle choice, by the way. I just... Don't sue me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did it happen again? (laughs) No, something's (laughs) happening that I wasn't ready for. Oh, no, what? I just opened up Facebook. Yeah. And there's a headline that says, Harry Potter star Daniel Radcliffe made it clear that he won't be rooting for the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And there's a Boston Globe headline that says, Daniel Radcliffe wants Tom Brady to, quote, take that... Make America Great Again hat out of your locker. <laughs> Didn't you see the Rob Delaney tweet about this? No, but I'm also like, I have a lot of questions about why Daniel Radcliffe has beef with Tom Brady. <laughs> I'm here for it. I have a lot of beef with Tom Brady, and so I was like, thank you, Dan Rad, for. It's just like worlds colliding that I didn't know about um, until now. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold Sorry, on. this is way out of control. I'm going to send you a tweet. That I saw much earlier today. Um, Okay, so I think I really only have one more gloat. No, I have two more gloats. Okay. Um, Fergus and his boy band, where is that world tour? (gasps) I know. When they fucking assemble in a V formation (laughs) and fucking swagger up to the guards and they're like, you're going to let me into your fucking jail because look at how hot I am in this cloak. 
Kirsty, where is their world tour? Where is their Eurovision performance? Oh my god! <laughs> their Eurovision team would be so good. So Fergus good. Fergus could, like, fire lasers out of his formal hand. Ugh. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm, like, overwhelmed. <laughs> this is the fan fiction I want. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um... So, bumping up the 1770s, am I right? <laughs> but also, I'm submitting that now early for the most cinematic visual of 2019. Yeah. <laughs> this episode really did win, like, a lot of really fucking good television <laughs> awards. It did. Um, so, uh, my last gloat is um, actually so far from the Podlander Slack universally the uh, biggest gripe of the episode, which is the closing sequence mm-hmm. where Jamie gets a letter yeah. that says that he's got to <laughs> do the thing. Mm-hmm. And he chooses to do a fucking Scooby-Doo reveal. And he's got his <laughs> tiny little readers on. And he's like, it says I have to get the fugitive. Virta Mitzgivens. <laughs> I we we saw Sam do some acting in this episode. Uh-huh. We saw him do just just some acting in this episode. And what I saw him do in that scene <laughs> is I saw him at the table read, reading that line in the script, thinking to himself, well, fuck me. <laughs> and then being like, how would I deliver this to someone who thinks this is good? <laughs> When I know that you know that I know. (laughs) What if I pause in two places? What does that tell you about me right now? Oh my god, it's so true. And I don't want to, I don't want to ever be told differently. When I meet Sam Hewen after winning the Sam Hewen Charity CrossFit (laughs) Contest, I don't want him to tell me that he read that and thought it was really smart. I want to believe (laughs) until the day I die that that was a multi-layered acting choice. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh. As Um, I said in Slack, he gave it all the dignity it deserved. (laughs) I have two reactions. <laughs> one, I was just listening to one of the official podcasts and Mustache had a whole rant about how he feels very strongly about the glasses because he too wears reading glasses and I feel oh, like yes. that it's was all connected. One. That was a good one. I know. I was like, a lot of people on TV are wearing glasses, Mustache. We are a represented population. <laughs> we are. We're not... We're we're not marginalized. It's okay. My second reaction is that your delivery impersonating Sam's delivery. <laughs> the only thing that came to my mind immediately was a different redhead wearing glasses that looked ridiculous that said, and I will call them Thunderpets. <laughs>
Outlander. <laughs> if you would like us to do some investigative reporting on this very issue, please, please, please enter us in the same you and Charity CrossFit contest. You still have like another week. There is no time like the present. <laughs> I want you to imagine us getting to present that thesis. <laughs> I promise you we will. During a dimly lit whiskey tasting. <laughs> right before a charity CrossFit gala. <laughs> oh my god. Um, <coughs> The link for that will be... <laughs> in, a, in our show notes. I can't stop thinking about Thunderpants. <laughs> In our show notes from this episode and the last few episodes, um, yes. you can find more episodes of this show, um, including <laughs> the one about Thunderpants, <laughs> by going to our website, hatewatchthis.com. You can find us on Twitter at hatewatchthis. You can email us. <laughs> hatewatchthis at gmail.com. I got there by the grace of God. Um, we're members of the Thought Bubble Audio Network. Check them out at Thought Bubble FM on Twitter, thoughtbubbleaudio.com, and wherever you find podcasts. They don't talk about Outlander, if that's what you're looking <laughs> for. sure as fuck don't talk about There is only one podcast in this world that will... We'll blur the lines between Outlander and Thunderpants. I just keep seeing Murta in his wig. <laughs> oh. Oh, God. Okay, okay, okay. Um, well, you know, thanks for listening. Thank you for watching yep. Outlander. Uh, <sighs> we'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Two. Two. Okay. Perfect. Nailed Done. It. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Hated that fucking show. Remember that time when Ian nailed it? <laughs> I do remember. He hasn't nailed it all season. Well, he has, but well, like. He, he has. He nailed it. He nailed it. Nailed it. Okay. Nailed it. Starting the timer. That's our bit.